King David said, I have been young and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. And um, the Lord is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We're going to open our Bibles to Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter number 15 today. And for those of you that are joining us, maybe for the first time, or you haven't been with us uh, through each week of this series, we've been looking at the book of Romans and we're coming to the last two chapters. So I think this week and next week we will complete our study in Romans. And the, for the second series in Romans, for the last few chapters, we've taken as our theme, Renewed. And we have a theme verse, and our theme verse is Romans 12 and verse number 2. So let's say it together, Romans 12 and verse number 2 together. Begin. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I said that my goal over the last few weeks, uh, or a couple months, was to get us to maybe accidentally memorize that verse. Who thinks that they've got it? They know it, all right? Some of you, you had a head start. How many of you already knew it before we started, okay? Well, let's do this. Let's try it. We'll do it. We, we won't, I won't put anybody on the spot, but let's just try it. All right, flip over your notes, close your Bible, and... There you go. Kayla's on to me now. So here we go. Let's try it. Romans 12, 2. You can say the, the reference with me. Ready? Begin. Romans 12, 2. And be not, but be by the renewing of your mind. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Some of you are like, don't look at me while we're saying it. Don't look at that. That was great. That's really good. And some of you, you're like, I've only been here two weeks. You get a pass. Two weeks, three weeks, you know. I don't know what the statute of limitations is, but that was, how, what's that? 20, 30 years. 20, 30 years. That's right. That's okay. That's good. Isn't it good to hide God's word in your heart, though? To memorize the word of God? Someday, someday those scriptures uh, that you have memorized, that you've put to memory, God will bring those to remembrance and um, minister to your heart. So I'd encourage you, no matter how old you are, memorize those scripture passages, write them on cards or do whatever it takes and learn the scriptures. Well, today we're in uh, chapter number 15. So again, the whole point here is being renewed. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. It gives us an eternal a hope in heaven, or an eternal home in heaven, but it also renews everything about us, from our behaviors to our thinking, every part of us. And today I want to show you in chapter 15 the blessing of this renewal, and it's the blessing of the gospel. So what, what I want you to see, actually, um, if you were to skip all the way down to verse number 29, if you were to just look at that in your Bible, uh, chapter 15 and verse number 29, this is Paul speaking to the Roman church, and I want you to see what he says in verse number 29. Romans 15, 29 says, And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come, now let's say this last line together, I shall come how? In the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now, that's a, that's a packed statement, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel 
of Christ. Well, let's just define a couple of words from the outset to make sure we're on the same page. When we talk about blessing or being blessed, that is kind of a, it's a religious term that is familiar to people in different settings, right? So some people may think of a blessing as something that's conferred upon you by some kind of holy man, right? Like, I give you my blessing, my child. You know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm talking about? That's your idea that you've received something from someone else, or you think of blessing maybe in just a, uh, you know, it's just that abstract word, don't really know what it means. But literally, when you see the word blessed in the Bible or blessed, it means happy, it has the idea behind it of being satisfied, of being filled, happy, content. It's, it's, it really encompasses all of a satisfied spiritual life, from an, a, a peace on the inside that works its way out, happy. And he says here in this passage that he's, I'm sure when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the happiness of the, of the satisfaction, of the joy, of the peace, all of those things encompass, I come in the blessing of the gospel of Jesus. So that's what the blessing means. And the gospel we've been talking about for quite a few months. In fact, this is a gospel-centered church. We talk about the gospel every single week. No matter what area of our Christian life we talk about, it always comes back to the gospel. It always comes back to the fact that whether I'm working on my family or my finances or my relationships, any part of my life, whatever God is doing in my life, it is only and always through the power of the gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God has done for you and for me what we could never do on our own. The gospel is the announcement that I, though I am a sinner, that I am hopeless, that I am helpless to redeem myself, I am helpless to earn my salvation, I am helpless to, uh, helpless to work my way back to God. The gospel message is this. It's an announcement that Jesus Christ suffered he bled, he died, and he rose from the dead to give me eternal life in the future and abundant life today. If you've got this Christian thing backwards, and you think Christianity is about what you do for God, you've missed the point. Christianity is about what Jesus, what God has done for us. And that changes my life. That's the gospel. And so what he says to people who've already received the gospel, to people who are already, they're already saved, they're already believers, he says to them, there is a fullness of the blessing, there's a joy, there's a happiness in the gospel. There's no greater blessing, if you notice on your notes this morning, the bottom of the first page, there is no greater blessing than receiving the gospel, walking in the gospel, and then giving our lives for the sake of the gospel. And that's what this passage is going to unpack for us. Let's pray. Lord, please help me as I preach. Help, help us as a church to listen. Help us to not, not listen to the voice in the room primarily, but the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, I need your help to faithfully explain the scriptures, and we need the Spirit's anointing and moving to make the scriptures applicable to our lives. So we pray for your presence among us in the preaching. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, first of all, I want you to notice this. We're going to pick it up in verse number 8 because that's where we left off last week. I want you to see point number 1. We are blessed to receive the gospel. Could you say that with me? We are blessed to receive the gospel. Did you realize that God was under no obligation to come into this world and save us? God was not obligated to come and give us the offer of eternal life. Jesus Christ was, was, he did not owe us anything, but of his own free will and his great love wherewith he loved us. Because of the love of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he gave us the blessing of salvation. And the whole point of this gospel is that I do not deserve it, but he gave it to me freely. Because of that, men and women, please don't forget that if you have received the gospel of Jesus right there at that point, we are blessed beyond measure. You'd say, Ethan, but you don't know, you don't look at my bank account, it sure doesn't feel very blessed. Have you been saved by the grace of Jesus? then you are blessed. But you don't know about the turmoil in my home. Well, I don't, and I'm sorry about that, and we've got some scripture that can help with that. But I will tell you this, you are blessed if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's a blessing. Well, let's see this blessing of receiving the gospel. Verse 8, oh, we'll read all verses 8 through 13. Ready? It says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. There's, there's a lot there, and I'm going to make some comments on it, but, but there's, some, there's some complicated doctrinal points that are made in these verses, so let's just take in the, full, the whole picture, and then we'll go look at the parts a little bit. So Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. One thing I'll say there, if you circle that word circumcision, it's not specifically referring to the medical procedure there. It's referring to what? The Jewish people, actually. It's referring to the identity of the Jewish people. When he says the circumcision, he's speaking about those who were circumcised at the time of this writing. That would have been the Jews. So it's a, it's a, it's a way of speaking to identify a group of people. So he's saying Jesus was a minister of the Jews for the truth of God to confirm the, what's the next word? Promises made unto the fathers, verse 9, and that the new, new, new group, who are they? Gentiles. So we see the circumcision and the Gentiles. This is a theme that he's returned to. He's come to it multiple times, this idea of Jewish versus Gentile. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. For his mercy. Do you understand what it, the point is this? The point is that God, in the Old Testament, God had a chosen people, Israel. God's chosen people were Israel. And you read the Old Testament, the, and you will find promise after promise after promise that was made to Israel. How many promises were made to the Gentiles? Well, you could get, you know, you might get a little sticky on this, but, the, but just generally speaking, the answer is none. There were none that were made to the Gentiles. Now, I don't know everybody's background in here, but I would assume at least that the majority of the room, if not everyone in the room, is Gentile, not of Jewish descent. And what he's teaching here is this, that the promises were all made in the Old Testament. The promises were all made to the Jews. However, there was a blessing 
there was a blessing that was promised to the Gentiles. There's a blessing that was, that was hinted at. It says that through all nations, Israel would, would bless all nations. And so here in the following verse, I closed my Bible and lost my place, my apologies. So here in verse number 9, it says this, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. In verse number 10, and again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. Verse number 12, and again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Did you count all the and agains in there? Did you see what, what's going on? There were four different prophecies that were referenced in these verses. And what he's saying is while all of the promises were made to the Jews, it was through those promises that God had a plan to bless all of the people of the world. He says there are four specific places where, those, where that prophecy is made. Now, what I'm going to do on Wednesday, if you'd like to come on Wednesday night, is we're going to take some time and we're going to look at those four references that were just quoted in Romans chapter eight, uh, 15. There's those four instances where this future blessing was prophesied. But the point I want to make this morning is this. What he's saying to the church at Rome which does consist of Jewish and Gentile believers, but many, many Gentiles in Rome, what he's saying is this. He's saying Jesus Christ came. Jesus came not just for the Jewish people, but he came for you. He came for all people. And all people can be recipients of those eternal promises. The promise of salvation, the promise of forgiveness that can only come through Jesus Christ. So you and I, by faith, become recipients of the eternal promises. Now look what goes on in verse number 13. Verse number 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy and peace. Joy and peace. And how does that come? Through what? Believing. Believing. Fill you with joy and peace in believing or through faith. The joy and the peace, the blessing of the gospel comes through faith. In fact, if you back up one verse that we already read, the end of verse number 12, it says, In him shall the Gentiles what? Trust. In him shall the Gentiles trust. And if you're a Roman reading the book of Romans, or if you're a New Englander reading the book of Romans, and you see that, you say, in him shall, well, I'm a Gentile. In him shall I trust. Now the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace in believing that I may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 
You see, we are blessed to receive the gospel. We've received eternal promises, and we can be filled by faith. Now, we, we, we need to make sure that we don't just look at this like a transaction. You say, what do you mean? When I learned about the gospel as a very young child, I thought about it very transactionally. In other words, and, and, there is, and I'm not saying it's incorrect, but that's limited. Transactionally, what do you mean transactionally? I mean this. I mean, I come to Jesus with my sin. I give him my faith, and he gives back to me eternal life. Is that the gospel? Yes, absolutely. That is the gospel. There is a transaction that takes place. I come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing to offer him. This is the Christian message. Not that I'm like, oh, Jesus, look, I've done this and I've done that. Nope, I have nothing to offer but my sin and my faith. And I say, Jesus, here is my faith in you. And he says, my child, here is eternal life. I am thankful for that transaction. That is the gospel. But is that transaction all of the gospel? No, because there's a personal aspect to it. That's why he says in verse number 13, that he describes this blessing of the gospel, where he says, now, now that you've trusted in Christ, now that you've believed in Christ, the gospel is supposed to give you hope, joy, and peace. Can I, can I share this with you? If you have lived this week in grumpiness, conflict, and doubt... I'm kind of flipping those around. It's not, I'm not saying it's because you're not a Christian, but in that moment, you're not believing the gospel in your life. Because the gospel of Jesus, the good news that I am forgiven, that I am set free, it doesn't just change my eternal destiny, but it's intended to change my disposition. Give me a joy and an abundance in my life. So you say, hey, Ethan, I just don't know what's the matter with me. I just don't know what's been wrong with me lately. How much time have you spent focused on what Christ has done for you already? I can guarantee you, if you will get back to the gospel, there will be a joy and a peace that only comes by believing. Only by believing. That we are blessed, friends, we are blessed to receive the gospel. But now he goes on. And he gives us a bit of a challenge in the second uh, two sections here. Not only are we blessed to receive the gospel, but we are blessed when we give the gospel. So blessed to receive the gospel and blessed to what? Blessed to give it, to give the gospel. Hey, I've got great news that I've received. Now let me give it to you. Verse number 14. Let's look at this next section. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort. In other words, he's saying sometimes in my writing, I've been pretty bold. I've been pretty direct as putting you in mind. In other words, I, I said to you, hey, you better listen. You better pay attention. Why? Because of the grace that is given to me of God. 
that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. To paraphrase verse number 16, Paul is saying this, my job, my calling, the mission that I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ is to give the gospel to all of the Gentiles. He says, I cannot but help. Jesus he has called me. Jesus has commissioned me to bring this good news, bring this, this good news about Jesus to all of the Gentiles. And so he said in the previous verses, so that means when I came to you, when I proclaimed it to you, I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't, I didn't hold back. But what was the word that we already saw that he used? The word was how was, how was he? In what manner did he speak to them? Yeah, with boldness, boldly. Why? Because he had, he had was it because Paul had such an impressive presence about him? Was it because he was such a good speaker? Is that the point? No, you could read in the book of 1 Corinthians that Paul says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. But he had a boldness in the power of God. Why? Because the message of Jesus did not originate with Paul. It came from God. And Paul was simply the messenger that God had chosen. Paul was the one that God had chosen to give the message. And he was joyful about it. You'd find that the Apostle Paul was a man that endured very great difficulties, but he had a joy and a blessing of sharing the gospel. But did you notice back, of verse, back in verse number 14, Paul was saying in the, the, the following verses that he was speaking to them and teaching them and writing to them. But back in verse 14, he says this, I myself also am persuaded of who? Of you. He says to the church, listen, there, there is something that God is doing among you. And basically, if you look at the flow of what's, saying, what's being said here is, Paul says, you don't just need me, but you yourselves have been equipped in the gospel. You've been given abilities. You are equipped to teach. Look what it says in verse number, uh, verse number 14 again. I am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Basically, he's saying this. You don't need to leave it up to the professional to be speaking about the gospel, Paul says. It's not about me. Well, Paul's the apostle. I mean, he's the one that's supposed to spend all his time doing this. Paul's going to say, yes, that is. But he says, you all, among yourselves, you've been equipped. You've been given goodness. You've been given knowledge. And you are able to admonish one another. And that is a healthy group of believers, a church that doesn't just depend on a professional or doesn't just depend on someone who supposedly knows all the Bible things, but a church that spends time teaching each other, building each other up in the gospel. And do you know what happens sometimes in churches? If churches do not get a focus on this, eventually, choose churches, eventually churches lose the gospel. They lose it. Why? Become, because they become focused on other things. And it could be anything from personal preferences to social justice to politics 
to acts of service. There are all kinds of things that people, organizations can get focused on, whereas we need to realize that the heartbeat of the mission is speaking and admonishing and teaching the gospel. After all, we don't have the Apostle Paul anymore, do we? No, we've been left to carry on the mission. And he says in verse number, back, I think we, we got through 16, so let's pick it up in verse 17. That therefore, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me. Do you see how laser-focused he is in that statement right there? There's another verse where Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you save the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does this mean that, did that mean that Paul wasn't aware of other issues? Does this mean that Paul didn't have opinions about other things? Of course, of course not. Paul was very educated. Paul had knowledge of lots of different subjects. But he understand that the greatest joy of his life, the great calling on his life, was to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. That's what it all came down to. And Christians, may we have an equal focus like that. To realize that we have been empowered to witness. Jesus said, Jesus said that after he left, he, said, he told his disciples to tarry and wait. And after certain days, the Holy Ghost would come upon them. And the Holy Ghost would give them power to become what? Acts 1.8. I was going to quote it, but my mind totally lost it. So if anybody knows it, you, I know it's witnesses, but I can't remember how they, um, after, the go, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. Yeah, and ye shall be witnesses after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So when we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has given us the power to be what? Witnesses. Now, that's interesting. Now, we are witnesses through different areas of our life, but witness comes first. If you know Jesus Christ, your first and foremost identifier is you are a witness of the resurrection power of Jesus. Now, your occupation comes after that. Everything comes after that because he didn't empower us for anything else. And Christians can get, can, can get sidetracked with that. The Holy Spirit power is for the gospel message. Because listen, there is a blessing to giving the gospel. The same blessing in receiving can be experienced in giving. So he said in verse number 18, he dared not speak of those things that Christ hath not wrought by me. Paul, what do you think about the political situation here in Rome? I don't have a lot to say about that right now, but let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. I think some Christians would do better to follow that example of Paul. Say, I, I, well, well, what do you think about, what do you think about this movie? Or what do you think about, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. But let me tell you how Jesus is changing my life. Now, everything in its proper place. I understand things relate. So don't extrapolate my statement. And, you, you know, you could, you could pick that apart if you wanted. But I think you understand the emphasis. 
The emphasis is we are people that are about the message of Christ. He says now in verse number 19, that through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul had a special dispensation. There was, it was, he had the apostolic empowering where he, there were miracles that were performed to substantiate the message. And so he said, when God is doing something so mighty in my life, if you'll allow me, he in essence said, I have little time for anything else. A little time for distraction. Verse 20, yea, so have I strived. I mean, I've made it my endeavor to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. Listen, it's a great thing to talk about Jesus in the church, isn't it? I mean, it's a wonderful thing to speak about Jesus here where he's named. But Paul said, that's, that's well and good, but I need to get to the, the message to the people who don't know the name of Jesus. I need to get to the, the message to the people that, that haven't found salvation. I need to get the message to the people who need the gospel of Christ. And the point is, the point that I'm trying to make with this, this whole message is this, that when you, if, if you're a Christian that's lacking in joy, you're a Christian that's lacking in blessing, you're a Christian that's lacking in peace, you say, I just don't know, I, I just don't know. Well, are you walking in the, in, in the gospel, grateful for receiving it? And are you walking in a way that's proclaiming the gospel to others? That's where the blessing comes from. And Paul is eager. I mean, he is eager to evangelize. He says, I am striving to preach the gospel. I want to do it. In fact, we're going to find out here that Paul's got, got big plans. He says, I am actually headed to Spain. You're like, why is that significant? Because Spain was like the frontier of Paul's day. I mean, it's just way out there. And he's like, he's like I'm going to Spain. Well, let's read what happens. Verse, 20, verse 22, for which cause also... I have been much hindered from coming to you. In other words, he's saying, I would really like to visit you guys in Rome. I'd like to spend some time with you in Rome, and I've been hindered. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, when I take my journey into Spain, I'll stop by. When I make it to Spain, now we know that Paul made all kinds of plans. He was, there was one time in Paul's life where he says, I'm going to go over into Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, why don't you go to Macedonia? And he's, Paul said, okay, I guess I'll do that. I mean, Paul was just, he, he had plans to go all over. We don't know for sure if Paul ever made it to Spain. But in his mind, he was bringing the gospel to Spain. He's, he's getting there with it. Why? Because it was the great joy of his life. I'll move on to my final point, but before I do, do you, are you, we find joy in, in, in far lesser things. 
we find joy in far lesser things. We find joy in, in our jobs. We find joy in our, in our advancement in our lives. We find joy in the, the possessions and properties that we accumulate. We, we find joy in, in good things, our families. And some of you will find joy watching the Super Bowl today. You know, we find joy. And I'm not here to be a killjoy. I'm not here to say, you know, shame on you for enjoying those worldly pleasures. That's not the point. The point is this. Those are lesser things. Enjoy them, but find, find joy in the greatest thing. Find joy in the mission of the gospel. We are blessed to receive the gospel. We've been blessed to give the gospel. And now we are blessed to partner for the gospel. A lot of people talk about, if you read Christian writing these days, it's kind of a, a, a buzzword to be uh, you know, gospel-centered. A lot of people talk about that, and I believe in that, actually, that churches ought to be gospel-centered. But being a gospel-centered church doesn't just mean that we get together and study the gospel. That doesn't make you gospel-centered. It's when you know the gospel, you love the gospel, and then your mission is to proclaim the gospel. Churches that spend no time doing or partnering, they're missing the point of it. And when we do, we miss the point. We, there's a blessing in partnering for the gospel. Look at verse, we read verse 22, so look at verse 24 again. We'll skip down to verse 24. When I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey. Now look at this last statement. And to be, the phrase is, brought on my way. What does that mean? And to be brought on my way thitherward by you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to make it to you. I'm going to get to you in Rome. And then are, what, are the Romans, what is the Roman church going to make sure he can do? Get to his next place. He says, I'm going to get to you. But when I get there, when I get there, I am going to be brought on my way thitherward by you. So in other words, they were going to support him. They were going to say, Paul, the mission that God has called you to, the, the, the burden that God has placed upon you, the joy of your life is, is so worthy that we are going to financially ensure that you continue on. We are going to financially ensure that you have the resources you need to get to the next place. And church, we must always be a body of believers that can financially ensure the success of the gospel to the world. And so we need to, we need to take this prayer letter. Is there a prayer letter here? Or you already grabbed it already? We need to take this prayer letter for the Wilsons. And we need to, we need to read about Pauline, who just became a Christian, and another lady named Charity, who said she too was ready to ask Jesus to forgive her of her sins. And sitting right next to her was a woman, Rose, that Maury led to Christ that week too. These are the amazing encounters we get to have on a weekly basis. They get to lead people to Jesus, and I get to put a few dollars in the offering to make sure they keep leading people to Jesus. And that's a joy. That's exciting. 
No, no, we, we're, this isn't about, this whole idea of partnering in, in the gospel, it's not about twisting people's arms so that, so that somebody can make a lot of money. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with partnering with the proclaimers of the most exciting message and the most transformational message the world has ever seen. That's, that's, that's a joy. It's a joy to partner in the gospel. It's a joy to have the Davises here and to, and, and to put in a great offering to see them build a church in Myanmar. I'm just taking what was happening in Romans and I'm just putting it here in our context at Mount Greylock Baptist Church. We get to partner in the gospel. It's a joy. It's exciting. There's no greater work to be a part of than God's work. He says, I'm going to be brought on my way thitherward by you. If first, though, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. The literal translation there is, you'll see it in your King James, it's italicized because it was hard to make sense of it because he literally says, I want to first, before you send me thitherward, I want to be filled with you, he says. That's the literal direct. I want to be filled with you. What is the point? The point is your company spending time with you. There is a friendship that though they had, many of them had never met Paul, because, of their, because they shared in the gospel of Christ, because they were united in the mission, because they had that togetherness, that, that bond in Christ, he said, I just want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time around you. I want to be filled. One of the greatest joys of the Christian life is the fellowship of the saints. United, not because we like the same things, not because we have the same background, but because we have the same Savior, because we're part of the same family. I've always marveled. Sometimes I've, I've had people in my home, and I've thought afterwards, I've thought about how different we are. Different in age, different in family background, different in and sometimes in education, different in interests. And I thought to myself, except for Jesus, why would I be friends with these people? But I love them. And they, have, they mean so much to me in my life. But there's no, on a human level, there's no reason. And I'm not saying that, that somebody's better. You know what I'm saying. My point is that we're just not the same but we are so much the same in Christ. It's amazing. That's the kind of thing Paul is talking about. It's only the gospel can do that. Only the gospel can bring people together like that. The family of God. Verse 25, But now, until then, I'm going to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. This was happening all over, by the way. There had been a famine in Jerusalem. People were suffering. They didn't have enough food. And everywhere Paul went, the people heard. Paul would tell them what was going on back in Jerusalem. And they'd be like, well, we've got to help those people. We've got to do something. And Paul's collecting money, and he's going to bring it back. And he's just on mission. In verse 27, he describes those people in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 27, it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. 
For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their, what's the word? Duty. Is also to minister unto them in carnal things. There's a, there's a cool spiritual application or point that's being made here. The saints in Jerusalem were primarily of what ethnicity? Jewish. And the saints in Macedonia and all there, many of them are not Jews. But the point was, those Jew, this was in a day of much racial hostility. Why would, why would Greeks help out Jews in Palestine like, so far away? Why would that happen? But the, the Gentile believers were like, the, is, the, the people of Israel. Jesus came because of them. The, the door of salvation came through them. To, I'm just so grateful that because of the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, because of them, I got received the message of Jesus. And because I've been so blessed spiritually, because I've been so blessed spiritually, because I've been so blessed, how could I not help them out materially? You see the heart of those people? It's a heart of gratitude. And because of what God has done through them, I'm gonna, we're going to give to them. There's a, I know that there's a lot of different thoughts in this passage, but if there's one theme that I just am hoping for you to see today, it's, it's this. The New Testament believers, the New Testament believers were obsessed with the mission of the gospel. I mean, it's what their lives were about. From the apostles down to the members of the churches, Verse 28, when therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come, there was our opening verse, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Do you know Jesus? For his sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Did you notice that the Trinity is present in that verse? Paul did this all the time. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to, if we work it backwards, he says, I want you to Pray to God for the love of the Spirit and for the sake of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I want you to pray for who? Pray for me. Pray for me. Please pray for me. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. And that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be what? Refreshed. You seeing this? I mean, to me it's clear in these verses. There's a satisfaction, a blessing, a joy when our lives are focused on the mission that Christ has left us with, the gospel. Verse number 33. This is Paul's official closing to the letter, by the way. Chapter 16 is the P.S. at the end of the letter. 
And that's, that's going to be a fun one, actually. We're going to look at that next week. The, the P.S., the, right at the end, he said, oh, a few more things now that I've finished. But the official end of the book, the end of the letter that has been all about the power of the gospel, he says this, now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is what can only be accomplished through Christ. Peace, blessing, satisfaction. Do you have that today? Are you walking in peace? Would you describe the status of your soul so yeah, there are some things going on on the outside, but in my soul, I'm at peace. In my soul, I know that I'm blessed. If you'd say, no, I don't feel that way. I don't, I, I don't have that. Well, there's, there's, there could be, it's one of two things. First of all, it could be because you've never personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, you can't have peace unless you've come into a relationship with the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace. You see, without Jesus Christ, you have no peace with God. Without Jesus Christ, you're actually at odds with God, enemies with God because of our sin. Our sin has caused a breakdown where I would, I, God would like to accept us, but it's our sin. So he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin so that if we will come to him and repent of our sin and believe that he has the power to save, then we can be forgiven and we can be made right with God. If you have no peace, one of the reasons could be, it could be because you've never personally received him. You say, Ethan, well, I've been to church. I was even baptized. We're not talking about that. Has there been a moment in your life where you have been what the Bible calls born again? Has there been a moment in your life where you have personally repented of your sin and asked Jesus Christ to save you? If you'd say, I don't know for sure that I've ever done that. Well, today and today you can be sure whether you're sitting here in the auditorium, whether you're watching on our video today, wherever you are, if you will come to terms with the fact that you have nothing to offer God, but you would receive Jesus by faith, if you would receive him by faith, he will give you his peace, his joy, and most importantly, eternal life, forgiveness of your sins. But it only comes through faith in Christ. So that's one possibility. You don't have that blessing of the gospel because you haven't received the gospel. But the second possibility is this. You have received the gospel, but you're not walking in the gospel. You're not living in the gospel. You don't think about what Christ has done for you. You don't give him thanks for what he's done for you. You don't share your faith with other people. You don't give to support the work of the gospel. You don't pray for the missionaries. I'm just getting real specific here. All those things are, are part of what you've been created to do. And you, your new creation in Christ 
So what's happening is, that, so, so are you saying that God's punishing me because of this? No. I'm saying you've willfully stepped out of his blessing. This isn't, this isn't about like, well, you need to do this. Or, or This is about this. God says, I've got an abundant life for you. You've been created. You've been created to love me, to walk with me. You've been created to be a part of my mission. But you're just living for yourself. And what has yourself ever done for you? Think, stop and think about that for a minute. What has yourself ever done for you? Okay, that's pretty good. What, what has myself ever done for me? Nothing. So two possibilities. Either you've missed the gospel and you need to receive Christ today. Or you've received the gospel, but you're walking away from it. You're not walking in it. Guess what the solution is in either case? To come back to the good news. To get back to what Christ has done for us. And to say, Lord, if you're a Christian, you'd say, Lord, I do believe the gospel. I believed it all those years ago, all those months ago, however long ago. I, I first believed, I know that I'm saved, but Lord, I'm coming back to you. And I don't just believe in the gospel for my eternity, but I believe in the gospel for today. I'm going to let that be my motivation in life. So Christian, when we go to prayer, maybe you need to pray the sinner's prayer. Maybe you need to say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins. Thank you that you rose. I've accepted you as my Savior. You are my Lord. And if there's never been a starting point, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, you need to do that today. Don't wait. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee that you'll live long enough after today to receive Christ. There's no guarantee. You say, Ethan, are you trying to scare me? Yeah, I am. Because it's appointed unto men once to die. We have an appointment with death. You don't want to face it without Jesus Christ. Receive Christ today. So in this most important moment, I'm going to ask no one to move around, no musicians or anything. I just want a quiet moment. We're going to go to prayer. Would you please bow your heads with me and close your eyes? No one moving. Please no one get up in, unless it's an emergency. But in this still moment, the most important question, if you died today, are you sure that you know Jesus? If there's any doubt in your mind, why don't you make sure right now? You say, okay, Ethan, I'm ready. I'm ready to make sure. What do I have to do? Well, simply put, you just have to believe in Christ. In your heart right now, you can pray something like this. And if you're ready to believe on Christ, pray this in your heart with me. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've broken your law. I can't save myself. But I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you. Please save me. Please save me. There's no words that save anyone. It's the, it's the belief of your heart and that confession that you make that, yes, I believe in Christ. But if you did that today, if you did that today, if you made sure today, would you let someone know? Maybe after the service, you'd let me know. Or if you're watching online, send a private message. If you're here, you can fill it out on one of the cards back of that connection card, you can say, yes, today 
I made a decision to trust Christ as my Savior. Christian, how about you? Are you living in the gospel? Am I, I need this message as often as any of us. It's just a wonderful reminder from this passage today of what our lives are about. So what I'm going to encourage you now is the, I'm going to invite the musicians to come. Our heads are still bowed and eyes closed, and we're going to have some music, but it's a time of prayer. So Christian, don't just let this time pass without speaking to God. Let's spend some time. Let's ask the Lord to just enrich our lives with the blessing of his gospel. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending Jesus to die and pay the penalty for our sin. God, I pray that today if someone here has not made the decision to put their faith in you and to believe the gospel, that today would be the day. God, for the rest of us, we pray that you would constantly be drawing our hearts back to the gospel. That, Lord, we would be united in that central theme we would be a gospel-centered, a gospel-believing, a gospel-driven church. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.